Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 55. It is Monday, September 21st, first at 4.53 p.m. And I just got out of the shower. All right, so the, the, the news um, I want to tell you is that, you know, I was in, I was in, I was, God led me to believe, you know, because like, again, part of this show is that, you know, we don't have a free will. God governs everything. So we shouldn't feel guilty about this pandemic and all that. But, and yeah, I'll get into that more later because I think it's important that we, um, we better understand that. But, you know, God had me thinking that, well, I should change, I should create a new series called God, COVID, Science and COVID-19. And, you know, over the course of the last several days, God <laughs> apparently, um, you know, got me to, to realize that I should keep the, the name and the series going as it is. So I will, you know, that's what God has decided. But, um, but I am going to continue to delve into the morality of this, because this really is, you know, um, exceedingly important exceedingly important all right again like you know you can't review this stuff too much it's kind of like as if you're learning a language this stuff is so foreign to people like you know like for example that that um that we're causing these pandemics by our factory farming and that that we're we're so horrible you know i mean like what we're doing is, is so horrible and, and abusing all these tens of billions of, of farm animal animals every year so um you can't really review that kind of stuff too much. Um, so let's let's just go through the basics again. And I, I, I really like this chart. I'm gonna like show the chart. And again, for the podcast, um, I talk it through so you will see it. Here is the chart. I, I, I made this myself from, um, from this wiki page, list of epidemics. And so again, notice this. Um, Notice this, the first millennium of the common era, there were eight epidemics. This isn't pandemics, this is just epidemics that, you know, basically affect regions. Okay, so that's in, in a thousand years. And I'm not going through the details of the, the second 900 years and the last century and all. Um, well, I could go through the last century also. So, right, so there are eight epidemics during the first entire first millennium. And there might have been a few that they missed, who knows. But you know, they, they probably got it right. I mean, an epidemic affects a, a lot of regions. There were historians back then who, who would have taken note of that. So now we go to the first decade of the 2000s. 42, you know, over five times as many in 10 years epidemics as the first 1,000 years of this, you know, common era. And, um, and, you know, that's, you know, like we had, you know, the last century, the last century we had, we had 40, you know, so like, so over the last century, and this is, yeah, this is, I think, telling also over the last century, we had 40 epidemics. The first decade of the 2000s, we have more than 40. We have, again, 42. So that tells you everything you need to know to, and I'm going to stop sharing, to understand that this is serious. This is serious stuff. And, you know, we don't even have to get into the, the, um, 
the antibiotic, well, yes, we do. Um, antibiotic resistance, okay. Um, what happens is we create antibiotics. When we have operations, when we get, you know, bacterial infections, you know, when we get sick in, in various ways, these, these antibiotics help us to heal. They help us to not be infected because there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. And so this, these antibiotics protect us against the bad bacteria. Now, how does this fit into this coronavirus and COVID-19 and, and factory farming? Because, you know, basically this, is, this, this show is to a great extent. I mean, like the theme is like, we need to transition from factory farming to cellular agriculture as soon as possible to be safe, to not, you know, invite a calamity 10, 40 times worse than this. So, so it's not just that our factory farm system, especially, and also our just regular farming system isn't, isn't completely safe either. Again, the, the 1918 pandemic that killed 50 million people was not created on a factory farm. It was a family farm. So, um, so anyway, so um, these, these factory farms, this farming of animal isn't, isn't just dangerous to us and to future generations, increasingly dangerous in terms of the pandemics it can create. It also is, 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 is causing very directly this antibiotic resistance. What happens is that we use anti antibiotics to kill the bad bacteria, but these bacteria will mutate and they will become resistant to the back to the uh, like penicillin and you know these these antibiotics we have so we have to keep coming up with new ones and and that's that gets increasingly difficult now here's here's where the farming of animals and antibiotic resistance um, connects um, here in the United States we use a lot of antibiotics we lose many more than is um, than is wise, than is recommended by infectious disease experts and by the medical establishment, really. You know, like a lot of general practitioners, just like they overuse these things for everything, you know. Um, but that's not, you know, 80%, 80% of the antibiotics we use are used on animals in, in our factory farm system here in the United States. So now, Again, I, um, I should probably call up the, um, the specific source sometime, um, but you know, I, was, I was listening to a podcast several weeks ago and somebody who seemed to be an expert said that, that many experts, infectious disease experts, um, believe that antibiotic resistance is actually a, um, more dangerous to us than climate change you know, in the future. It, has, it poses a greater threat. So imagine, you know, like going in, in for an operation and, and we run out of antibiotics or the antibiotics are just not nearly as effective as, as the ones we have now because of this antibiotic resistance. So, and, and, and it, it, you, you kind of hope that it would stop there, right? But the, the third major, and I don't know if there's three, maybe there's more. Well, yeah, the, the third major, um, threat coming from this factory farm system is that um, our farming of animals, our livestock industry, contributes more greenhouse gases to 
that fuel climate change than our entire transportation industry. You know, you take all the cars, planes, boats, trucks, you know, everything that moves, everything that transports, you put that all together and our livestock industry emits more greenhouse gases. It's, it's more of a fuel of, of climate change. So uh, it's about 15% of our total emissions. Um, so that, that alone should, should um, tell you that we need to end factory farming, uh, the sooner the better. But yeah, and then there's some other, for example, land use. And, and I have some, I have some um, figures on this. I'm not gonna call them up right now, but basically we use so much land to, to grow the food that we feed these animals. What happens is with a lot of animals like cows and chickens, sometimes it takes five, 10 calories of, of a plant food for us to be able to create a, an animal food, you know, meat. And so like, imagine how much we're having to grow that isn't going to feed people, it's going to feed these animals. It's an extremely inefficient um, method of, of, um, of food production. Um, it's not just that, it's, it's the, so it's the land use, it's the water use. I mean, like water is becoming an increasingly uh, scarce resource on the planet. I don't know if you, you know, just Google it, you know, and, and the, you know, the production of meat and dairy, you know, consumes, you wouldn't believe, like you drink a glass of, and, and this is ballpark, I, I don't know exact thing, but it's pretty, pretty um, accurate. You drink, let's say a glass of, of, of of um, milk or something, you know, you're, you're using more water, that more water was used to, to, to produce that glass of milk than when you take a shower, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so, um, so yeah, this, this, it's the problem, and we're talking science right now, okay? We're talking that, um, that scientifically, our best science tells us that continuing our factory farm system is a recipe for disaster, for catastrophe. Um, you know, I mean, like you can get geopolitical, but you know, um, as resources get scarce, you know, a lot of, a lot of the wars, you know, in, in Africa and in these poor parts of the world, they're about resources. And, and um, so, you know, the, the, the more resource depleted our planet becomes, the, the less water we have, the less arable land, you know, um, the more our, our chances of, of, of wars increase and, and God knows nobody wants that. So, um, so this is major, this is major, you know. Um, and again, so this show is about, we, you know, they talk about not being able to eat your cake and, and, and you know, have your cake and eat it too. Um, we, we can, have our meat and fish and dairy needed to. We just have to transition from this very cruel, you know, system of factory farming that is so harmful to us. You know, again, it's not just like, no, I didn't even factor in like, for example, the number one cause of heart disease in the United States, let me back up, the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. Number one cause of heart disease is meat consumption. All right, so how are we not getting this? How, how are we not getting how horrible this, this production and, and, and consumption of meat, fish, dairy you know, is? Fish, not as much, but again, like a lot of fish has mercury in it, you know. Um, so, so this series is about the absolute 
undeniable, you know, need to transition from this very, very harmful factory farm system to growing our meat and fish and dairy and eggs in laboratories that are completely sanitary. And again, like, you know, I don't probably, I don't go through the, the simple science of this enough. It, it couldn't be more simple. I mean, obviously the technology behind it is a bit complicated. They're working on some research channel just to be able to scale it up from lab scale to, to production, to be able to like feed everyone. But the, in theory, it's no more complicated than they take some cells, a, little, a tiny biopsy from an animal. It doesn't even hurt the animal. You can even use, for example, the feather of, of a chicken, you know, that's already fallen to the ground. You know, so they take some cells from these animals and then they put them in a dish with, with food, with some kind of nutrients. And, you know, they're basically, they trick these cells into believing they're still in, in the animal. Now these cells, they're the exact same cells that we find in the real animals. And well, there's differences, um, but good differences. In other words, like when these cells consume food inside the animal, they're producing a lot of saturated fat and cholesterol, a lot of perhaps other harmful ingredients. Now with this new technology, we can eliminate that. We, we can, you know, basically grow these cells, again, trick them into thinking they're in the animal, they, they multiply and they can essentially multiply theoretically endlessly. But you know, with one biopsy, you can like grow a, you know, a million pounds of, of, of beef or, or chicken, you know, or pork, whatever. So, um, but because we can feed them different nutrients, we can make these new cell-grown, lab-grown meats to be much healthier. And again, the, the major benefit now that we're all keyed into is that um, because these, these, these laboratories must, in order for the process to work, these laboratories must be sterile, which is the exact opposite of, of factory farms. I think I mentioned during the last episode that, for example, with kit, kit, um, chickens, battery, um, cage chickens that are, that are egg-laying chickens. They stack the, the, the cages on top of each other and the chickens are cramped together so tightly, not, you know, they're three, four, five, you know, in one cage, and they don't even have enough room to spread their wings. But on top of that, you have the, the chickens on top of them, because they have, they're, they're, they're layered, you know, four or five layers, are defecating, urinating on the lower ones. So, so that produces a lot of bacterial infections, you know, salmon, you know, I don't know the technology, sal salmonella, there's E. coli, there's, there's various, you know, bacteria and a, another kind of um, infectious, you know, fungi and, and viruses that, that, that are the inevitable result of this factory farm system, of this system of how we grow um, our, our chickens and, and cows and all. Another example, you know, maybe, um, Maybe you think that the chickens raised for beef are, um, are healthier. It's pretty much the same thing. They, they take this airplane hanger sized shed that, that's so poorly ventilated that, that you can't go in there as a human being without a mask. Your, your eyes would burn. You, you couldn't breathe. You know, um, they have these giant fans, but they don't work well enough. But anyway, so you have these chickens in there for about seven weeks, you know, 
crammed so tightly they can hardly move, you know. And they are urinating and defecating on the ground all the time. And the only time that that ground gets cleaned is after the seven weeks after they're called for, for slaughter. So um, you can imagine how many of them die of infection, of various infections. And again, that's where all our antibiotics are going. 80% of what we use in the United States are going for that. So, all right, so um, now we haven't, today we haven't touched on the moral um, aspect of this, but we, you know, I think we need to, you know. You, if we hold ourselves to be God-fearing people, you know, 80, 90% of us here in the United States believe in God or a higher power, if we're sincere about that, if we're not just fooling ourselves and each other, then we kind of understand that, that there, there are moral imperatives more obligations that go with that belief, that we kind of have the belief that yes, that God, for example, um, commands us. This is in the Bible, this isn't you know, anything we made up. Well, um, basically, God commands us to be kind to animals. And back when, when, when the Bible was written, they were fairly kind to animals. Even the, the, the kosher laws, kosher slaughtering laws, were designed to, uh, to inflict a minimum of pain on the slaughtered animal. It's supposed to be quick, painless. You know, you, you sever this vagus nerve, you know, the, the, the cow, whatever, goes unconscious, no pain. Not the way we do it today. All right, so, so for those of us who are religious, for those of us who believe that God rewards us when we do good and punishes us when we don't, both individually and collectively, then you might want to take a look at what's happening with our world, you know, with, um, with climate change, with this pandemic, um, you know, just, um, yeah, so you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that, you know, and, and even getting, you know, like this, this show is primarily about creating a pandemic-free future. But don't, don't believe that it, it's, um, I mean, it is set in stone, and I won't, won't get into that, but don't believe that it has to be that we'll just simply emerge from this without changing our ways. I mean, from a theological religious perspective, God may be telling us, listen, um, I've got you distanced, I've, I've shut down your economy, a lot of you are dying, getting sick, you know, you're not able to celebrate um, occasions, you know, God, God may be telling us, well, you know, I want you to end this factory farming before I let you get back to uh, your normal lifestyle. Um, and God, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not like God hasn't done stuff like this before. I mean, like World War II, World War I, the Civil War. You know, God has afflicted us, plagues. You know, again, the 1918 pandemic killed 50 million people. We have, as, as a humanity, as, as a species, become much better in so many ways. And I think that's why we're so blessed. You know, there, there's so much less poverty than there was hundreds of years ago. People are living longer, living much healthier, happier lives, you know? But, um, but you know, it's, if we want to continue to progress and, and not, you know, have God just like teach us a lesson that it'll take us decades to, um, you know, remember the Great Depression lasted uh, over a decade. So again, it's not just these wars that last a few years. You know, and, that, and the Great Depression led to World War II. So that was like 15 years or so that, that we were kind of like being punished by God. Um, again, don't, don't, um, 
don't suppose that God hasn't done this before and that God is not capable of or willing, you know, to do this again. If, 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 if what God wants is, to, is for us to start being kind to these animals, to stop being so horribly cruel. All right, so after this sermon about how cruel we are, I need to remind you of something that I continually remind you. Um, this is an, ind an indictment on us. This is a warning. In other words, like I'm not, I would be the last person to blame anyone for any of this. Why? Because, because I, you know, my television series before this one, a few series is back, was called Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. 216 episodes on why what we do is really not up to us. Yeah, it, it seems unfair, it's kind of surreal that, you know, God makes us do good things, but then, he, then he, re, he rewards us for the good that he made us do, but then he makes us do evil things and then he punishes us for that. Yeah. On a fundamental level, that's the way reality works. And uh, just like, you know, again, our four top scientists, um, Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, Zygmunt Freud, and Albert Einstein all came to the same conclusion that we don't have a free will from three scientific, different scientific disciplines, physics, biology, and psychology, neuroscience. And so like, you know, if, if, if you believe, if you believe that you know better than these guys from three different fields, um, you know, you're probably, you're probably denying that climate change exists or that we cause this pandemic, you know? And, and, and now I think, you're, you're, I think you're, you're coming to understand that it's, it's dangerous. It, it's, it's, it's risky to ignore science. You know, our science isn't, look around you, our science created this world. All the conveniences, the medicines, the food we have, that's science. So these guys, um, they know, and the reason I say this is like, because if you believe in free will, you can't face what I'm telling you. You say to yourself, oh my God, no, we, we can't be that horrible. We can't be like paying people to abuse and torture 70 billion farm animals every, every year. That's not who we are. That's not who I am. That's not who you, you know, my family and friends are. And so you go into denial. You say like, I'm sorry, can't be happening. Those animals can't be feeling that pain. You know, this coronavirus, you know, I don't know what you tell yourself. But basically in, in psychology, there is a, a a mechanism, a defense mechanism that's, that's, it's really, it's not even something you're aware of. This, this operates on the, in the level of the unconscious. So our unconscious is refusing to allow you to objectively see what you're doing, you know, in terms of like both theologically, in terms of like being so cruel to these animals and scientifically in terms of like maintaining a, a system of, 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 of factory farming that that inevitably, you know, breeds these pandemics. Again, the, the infectious disease experts tell us it's not a matter of if, but when the next one will happen. But what they don't say is if the status quo is maintained. Because these infectious disease, <laughs> I'm ragging on everybody today. These, these infectious disease experts know their field, but you know, Apparently, they're not up on this cellular agriculture stuff, this clean meat, clean, you know, cultured meat, because, you know, they should be offering a hopeful message to us. They should be saying, listen, if we continue our ways, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we get another pandemic. And what they also tell us is that this one, as serious as it is, it, it's relatively mild. You know, some of these pandemics can be 
10, 20, 30, 40 times more lethal. So what they should be telling us is that, um, that yes, it, under the status quo, this will happen, but if we transition to this cultured meat, you know, we can prevent this. So what's the show about? You know, the last component under four minutes that I have, there's about one and a half billion dollars invested in this new industry that started in 2013. And that's not a coincidence. God, you know, you know, God knew back in 2013, he was gonna like afflict us with this pandemic seven years later. So he gave us this industry as a way out. So like, but the problem is like, again, there's only $1.5 billion invested in the industry. And in that rate of investment, it'll probably take 10, 15, 20 years for them to scale up the manufacturing, the, the engineering, the, um, the research challenges to be able to manufacture, to, to, to produce and distribute these foods worldwide as we have to do. So the last part of this, the message of this series is that considering that we've already spent two to three trillion, and considering that in May, the Congressional Budget Office has predicted that our country alone, the United States, is gonna lose eight trillion dollars as a result of this, it makes every sense to, um, to invest immediately, not, you know, well, it's not gonna happen with Trump in office, but as soon as Biden gets elected, to invest $50 billion, not in five years, not in 10 years, but immediately, to fast track this research. So in other words, like just how as we fast track these, this vaccine research and what ordinarily takes sometimes 10, 20 years, the fastest the vaccine had ever been developed was as a result of the 1957 pandemic, it was four years. We're gonna have one a vaccine for this probably in a year and a half. So like, because we pumped money into it and we got researchers working on it. So we do the same thing with this cellular agriculture, this new industry we can fast track it so we don't have to wait 10, 15 years and perhaps suffer another pandemic in the meantime. We can probably have these products everywhere in the world uh, within three, four years. You know, as we're, as we're finally, because you know, it, it seems we may be in to this wearing mask thing for another year or two. You know, um, Israel went into its second lockdown, uh, some of the, European countries that were doing really well not aren't doing that well anymore. So, you know, this is serious and it's long lasting, but you know, once we're out of it, God willing, you know, if we're wise now, if we're smart now, if we're kind, you know, if we, we stop being so cruel, you know, protecting this industry is so cruel, we'll invest this $50 billion. And again, like as we're ready to come out of this, we will have created a food system that's not only healthier for us, you'll have a lot less heart disease, a lot less, cancer, you know, but you will have um, virtually no pandemics. This can make us virtually 99 plus percent pandemic free. All right, well, I'm out of time uh, for today. So I hope you're having a good um, Tuesday. And, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm reading some books. One's called The Lucifer Effect by the psychologist Zimbardo. Another one's called, I don't know why, we, it's about like how, babies turn evil or whatever i don't know so basically i'm trying to understand how we can be so evil you know in, in afflicting these animals because you know hopefully we can figure this out all right so thanks for watching catch this every monday through friday at 5 p.m on white plains community media channel 76 if you get optimum 45 you get Verizon, and they're on youtube as videos and 
on Spotify and iTunes and other platforms as uh, podcasts. Thanks for watching and God willing, I will see you again tomorrow.